Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Go! Go! Chasing it, the bounce sits up, the Dragons are steamrolling to week two of the finals. Inside the last ten seconds of the game, St George, Illawarra to the death, trying. Brown goes to the air, going back is Mabel. Oh, sleeping high and taking it in marvellous fashion with Rod Wishart. He has scored an incredible try and ties this fourth game up. From 18 metres out, he strikes it nicely. St George Illawarra win for the first time in their Premiership line. Here's Nathan Blacklock down the sideline. Chipping over the top of Joel Kane. Got a room saunders bounce to win the game for the Dragons. And book himself a New South Wales Blues origin jumper. Episode 165 of the Red V Podcast coming at you tonight, folks, as we continue to update you on uh, the mighty St. George Illawarra Dragons. We'll be dissecting that impressive win on the weekend on Sunday night. The Dragons are getting their first victory of the season, dispatching the Gold Coast Titans by 32 points to 18. So we'll have the full rundown of what uh, transpired in that affair out there at Cogwa. We'll also preview the Saturday night showdown, a showdown against the Brisbane Broncos. The Broncos have hit the ground running in season 2020. It's going to be a real acid test uh, for the Dragons as they head up there into uh, Banana Bender country against the Broncos. We'll also have your latest Dragons news, answer your fans' questions, and also wrap up the lower grades and uh, the junior rep results from the weekend. Well, it wouldn't be a Red V podcast without uh, Curtis Woodward, and Kurt's again been very good to jump on the line and uh, chat everything St. George, Illawarra, and Kurt, I guess... uh, a great start to the season uh, for the Dragons. Probably a little bit of a bittersweet Sunday for you, mate, just prior to the Dragons getting uh, getting onto the field and, and getting the win, uh, evidently, against uh, against the Titans. You had to watch your your, uh, your West Tigers, unfortunately, put in a, a fairly lacklustre performance uh, against Newcastle. But I'm hoping that the fact that you're a, you're a bit of an adopted Dragons uh, fan now from uh, the, the many Red V podcast uh, fans that we, we have out there in uh, in the uh, in the land of, uh, of St. George Illawarra, that they will maybe 
uh, perhaps able to cheer you up and you'd be able to, uh, yeah, take a bit of solace in the fact that uh, the Dragons did get up, even if your Tigers were a bit disappointing on Sunday, mate. Oh, I could not care less about that other mob at the moment. I, <laughs> I, I was truly, really pumped and excited for the Dragons and, and more particularly the Dragons fans, the ones especially that listen to this podcast and, and are so engaging on social media and kind of like taking me in and, and really oh, I've got to appreciate it too, um, some of the – the, you know, the, the stuff I've added to the show, which is great. And, and you know, the, the, there's not many more passionate, loyal supporters out there than the Dragons fans. And to see the way that team played w- was incredible. And, and I love to see it. And, and you know, I don't want to uh, toot my own horn too much, but some of those things that we saw on Sunday night were things that we've been talking about. Um, you know, when you asked me about Jacob Little and the impact off the bench of guys like Musgrove and, um, and how to play through the middle and take advantage of those things to open up things for Sloan. It, it, it was like, it was just, it was it was great to watch and it, and it validated a lot of the things that, that we have been talking about on this podcast because to you, you've been doing this podcast forever. What number are we up to? 165 tonight, mate. So 165. So I think I've only done maybe like 20 of these so mm. far from, from mid to late last year or whatever it was, but um, to, to see the way the Dragons played, and, and um, I think there'll be a fan question later about the crowd. I thought the crowd really got into it, the ones that showed up. I think it was just a, a great night for Dragons fans. And I and I think, too, the rugby league community is a really good start to the year. I think most clubs have had something to cheer about. And I think the Dragons sitting back in round one, I'm sure Dragons fans would have been pretty happy to, to see footy back. But then on the second weekend, after another great weekend of football, to see the Dragons fire up like that, that was that was great. So lots of positives to talk about tonight. And, and I'm looking forward to this podcast because there's far more positives at the moment within the club than there are negatives, which is a good thing. And there's there was nothing else that happened kind of prior to that that Titans game was there they could I, I I struggled to kind of find anything else that fans or um, yeah podcast hosts or people that enjoy wearing socks over microphones um, were uh, yeah I, I can't can you think of any news that kind of transpired kind of late late last week before the 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 Gold Coast game I can't seem to think of anything no but um, just to, to to feel a little bit more. Um, um, sense in myself and a bit of positivity. I've, I've actually soundproofed my office tonight with old egg cartons. So hopefully <laughs> the sound comes through a little bit better tonight and hopefully there's a little bit more um, bounce in my voice. But, you know, that's all in good fun. And, and I think uh, we'll talk uh, talk about that a little bit later, but I think it was blown up a little bit. Uh, but, um, you know, it, look, uh, the, the bottom line is, is that whether it comes from an official Dragons podcast or, or your um, Red V podcast or the uh, the the other Dragons vodcast or whatever it is, the more people talking about the Dragons, the better. And then twofold, if the, if the team starts winning, then it's um it's heaven for for Dragons fans. So it's a good start to the year, but it's only been one win. Let's just remember that. Yeah, so obviously some as uh, a lot of fans will probably kind of know some of the the stuff that happened on on Thursday. But to be honest, uh, and, and Kurt and I spoke about this before uh, off air. We didn't really have too much of a uh, too much of a problem with um, what transpired. Um, it was yeah a little bit tongue in cheek. Hence uh, hence our, our our response. Uh, and I know fans, um, you uh, the the fans listening will kind of make up your own mind about the the official Dragons uh, Dragons podcast. Um, we do really appreciate the the um, kind of the ongoing support that you guys have given us 
us through 165 episodes and, and we do appreciate the outpouring of love that, that you gave us on Thursday when there was, yeah, kind of a, uh, a bit of back and forth um, uh, between the, the different uh, the different podcasts. They're entitled to that and there's, there's going to be fans that, that were really enjoyed their, I guess, their their club run uh, positivity and um, all of that kind of stuff. We're not necessarily um, going to be positive all the time here at the Red V Podcast. And I think anyone that's listened to that will will know that. We like to call it down the middle. Um, we'll call a spade a spade if we think the club's not being run uh, in a proper fashion and it's affecting the uh, the fan base and it's affecting the community and it, it's affecting the club as a whole. We'll call it out. That's not for everyone. So, yeah, well, I, I'm happy to coexist um, with, uh, with with every everyone else. Uh, and as I think I echo the sentiments of Kurt, I think, yeah, the more Dragons content that's out there, um, the better. And it gives you guys um, a, a chance to uh, absorb one, two, three, four, five, six, as many podcasts, whether it be Dragons one or Rugby League ones or Sport ones uh, as possible. And uh, yeah, we're just appreciative of the support that you guys continue to give us. And uh, we're really passionate about, about the Dragons and making sure we keep you informed uh, each and every week. That uh, brings us to our Dragons news and updates section for this week, folks. Let's jump in and have a look at the team list, uh, most recently announced by uh, Anthony Griffin and also a little bits of information about the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Well, Kurt, let's firstly take a look at the uh, the team that has been named uh, by Anthony Griffin. Uh, no changes uh, from the side that ran out on Sunday. Of course, there is, I guess, the one change to the side that was named last Tuesday. Uh, Michael Moller was a late scratching and, and Josh Kerr took his place. And that will be the same uh, this week for, for the Red V. So so uh, Talatau Junior Ramon, he finds himself on the extended bench. Still no Jack DeBellin. He's probably a week away. They're expecting a, a round four return for him where the Dragons take on the Sharks at Cogra. Um, uh, in a week from uh, week from Sunday. No surprises really from, from my point of view, Kurt, when you've got a side that's played as well as they have uh, in that first game against uh, the Titans. I think they deserve to to retain their spots, but really pleased to see no changes uh, to the 13 because Jack Bird really uh, gave us a, a bit of spring in uh, our step in, in the attacking sense of the word. And also Jaden Sullivan, we'll, we'll touch on him a little bit later, but I thought uh, he was uh, very creative. Running game was great. Kicking game was, was really vital uh, as well. Uh, what do you make of the Dragons coming in with with effectively no changes. Bloody fantastic. Good on them. Um, and, and it's it's one of those things too that we're, we are going to touch on the Broncos in, in a second, but I, I think the Dragons have the Broncos at a perfect time. I know it's only round three, but the Broncos had a couple of big weekends already. Mm. Uh, the Panthers um, on, a, on a heavy track and then the Cowboys, which, which is one of the, the quicker games, doesn't matter where they play. It's one of the quicker games in rugby league, no matter where they play, what time of the year. So for the Dragons, I, I love that, the, that there's potentially no changes except for one thing. I, I, I would probably still start Jacob Little this weekend. Mm. I said that last weekend before we before a, a ball was kicked in anger. It, I, I think we're going to get some fan questions later, and I know we're going to touch on it, but I, I just can't see if the Dragons get down against the Broncos at, at at Suncorp Stadium too, it's very hard to get momentum back if any team for, uh, against a very good Broncos side. So to fight fire with fire, and if the Dragons, if the Dragons start the game the way they finished against the Titans, there's no reason to, to leave Little on the bench. So uh, look, uh, you know, again, the Dragons might hold firm. They might give up a try early in the game, and then Little comes on and they still kill it. But obviously, we can only talk about what we see and, and what we think. But I'm very happy for, for Josh Kerr. I don't think they can change the team anyway. If Jack DeBellin came back into the side, where do you put him? Probably on the bench somewhere. But then, you know, that that you know, that, that that's a, a, a punishment for, for 
the bench, who were incredible, and we'll get to that in a second as well. But mm. uh, good signs for the Dragons that they can go into their their week two of their campaign. I know it's round three, but good signs for the Dragons early. Yeah, I think my concern with Little being on, on the bench, and I can understand why they're uh, repeating the the dosage of what they did last week, is the fact that, and we'll, we'll talk about it in our uh, match review, uh, the Dragons, I thought the defense was fairly soft in the first 15 to 20 minutes, and, and they did well, showed some resilience to come back from 12 points to, to two down. But yeah, d- does that happen against a Brisbane side if the Dragons are a little bit slow and the service from dummy half from Moses Mbai isn't at the kind of quality that, that maybe it would be from, from a Jacob Little uh, does uh, if little comes on when we're down by 14 or 16 points does does he have the desired effect that um, uh, that he had in in round two against uh, against the Titans I guess that's a that's a kind of wait, wait and see question but that would probably be my concern as a as a fan heading into that that clash against Brisbane who have been very very strong at Suncorp Stadium for a long time Kurt yeah and look I don't want to get too nerdy about all this but I just googled the weather for Saturday night in Brisbane for, for that time of kickoff which is an hour back um, then, then Sydney time, it's still going to be apparently 26 degrees with almost 75% humidity. So mm. that is one of the faster tracks in the game. I just don't want the Dragons to, if they're going to jump on what they did last week or on Sunday night, and then just as something as little, uh, no pun intended, but <laughs> it, it, even if it's like, and I know this is a, a really cheap interchange that, and, and I don't see many clubs doing this kind of thing, but, even if you started little just for the simple fact that throw him out there to start and see what kind of game it is in the first 10 minutes. Mm. And then if you've got to burn an interchange and then get him back off the field, I saw someone on Twitter today. It might've been an exchange with, with the, uh, the Red V Twitter account is um, they're worried about getting him through the season with, with his fitness. And that's, that's a fair point because it's a long year. Um, little has, is coming back from lots and lots of injuries, but I, 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 I just worry about how quickly the game can, can get away from you in Brisbane on a fast track against a very good Broncos side. So we'll see what happens. But if they start the way they did against the Gold Coast, even though I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy with the way the Dragons came back, my concern is against the Broncos that that could be 18 points instead of 12-2. Yeah. It could be 18 instead of 12-2. And then you're, you truly are chasing the game and not doing the things you did last week that got you the two points. You, you, you're literally playing a different style of football than the one you plan to play all week. So we'll see what happens. But I hope I'm wrong, but I, I'd love to see Little just start the game and see what kind of game it is and then maybe uh, change the, uh, the the bench rotations to suit Little to get him back onto the field at least for the last 40, 50 minutes of the game. One of those players that will be uh, backing up in the uh, the uh, round three affair against the Broncos is uh, uh, Toby Couchman and him and his brother Ryan uh, just the other day uh, re-signed with the Dragons until the end of the 2025 season. Hearing that, uh, yeah, Ryan, who's playing uh, currently reserve grade or New South Wales Cup for the Dragons, he'll be part of the top 30 squad um, if uh, if the rumours are, are true for next season. So uh, looking to, uh, yeah, try and get a bit of football under under his belt and I'm sure a year of reserve grade would really uh, make him tough and physical and another uh, big body in the middle for the Dragons. So things, yeah, starting to turn the corner, starting to look up. A couple of these young players being locked down, um, Tyrell Sloan and Jaden Sullivan, who asked for a release in the off-season, have, uh, I guess, re- recommitted 
unofficially to the Dragons, if you're kind of hearing what Ryan Webb has said in different media appearances and now the Couchman boys re-signing it. It is positive news. There is some good players coming through that Dragon system, Kurt, and I guess you don't need to be Albert Einstein to realise if you can keep these guys together, the likes of your Tyrell Sloans, your Jaden Sullivans, the Couchman boys, Zach Lomax, even guys like Moses Suley, then it's going to bode well for the Dragons down the track and they're looking to create, I guess, a bit of a young nucleus that they're can keep together that can be, I guess, the nuts and bolts of, of hopefully some success further down the track. Yeah, and a little exclusive here too for the Red Valley podcast, Jack. Mm. Uh, a little, a little birdie tells me as well that there is some um, serious movement um, from the higher ups in the game itself to start bringing in and offering clubs more cap exemptions for players they're developing, um, similar to. Uh, and I don't know much about Aussie rules or the AFL game, but what I do know uh, about their cap is that if they develop, you know, they've got things like father-son exemptions and, and junior exemptions and 10-year pa- uh, plus if you play for a club for 10 years, half your contract comes off and stuff like that. So from what I understand, that there is movement and, and discussions, and I, I believe these have been going on for some time, to fix the salary cap in many ways where clubs are developing players. And I think this is because of, the Panthers' effect um, and, and how sometimes it looks a little bit embarrassing, not just for the Panthers, but for the game itself, that so many players are coming out of the Penrith Junior District and the Panthers are kind of getting nothing for, for their return. Obviously, they've won a couple of premiership yeah. and they're keeping their best players, but those fringe players that potentially would be starting in any other era for the Panthers aren't getting a look in. And all that development is not going to waste because the Panthers them, themselves see that they have it's kind of like a, a badge of honour and it's it, it's it, it's part of their club that they need to develop as many first graders as they can out of their junior catchment. So watch that space. So hopefully if the Dragons do keep developing their own juniors, in the next couple of years you might actually see some cap exemptions to see more guys from junior clubs staying there longer and then still potentially clubs like the Dragons actually still being have, having the money to top up their, their roster. We'll talk about Toby Catchman's influence um, a, a little bit later on the podcast, Kurt, but just quickly, I think you see some players when they debut or in the early part of their career and, that, and they just look like they belong. Sometimes it's uh, you'll see players that, they kind of have a have a bit of a uh, a bit of a drama on on debut and can sometimes take them 15 25 30 sometimes 50 first grade games to um, kind of find their feet start to feel comfortable in that system but Toby Catchman looked like a, a player that had been coming off the bench for the Dragons for the last couple of seasons showed a lot of energy tackled anything that moved it was a, a shame that he picked up a bit of a, a bit of a knock and had to go off and it'll be interesting to see whether the um, he is able to take his place in the in the side considering I guess uh, the things that we know about concussions and the HIA and, and all of those kinds of things that's been coming through, especially in the last couple of seasons. But I, I don't know what your analysis or your thoughts were uh, were on him, but I, I thought he looked really comfortable and, and added some real starch defensively to that Dragons defensive line. Yeah, big body, big body, and, and looked very, very comfortable in first grade. Um, I'm sure there was one point in the game there, I, I can't remember if I tweeted it or I thought about tweeting it, but there was a point there where I think he took a, a big tough run and then there was an offload and he was just getting his gas back. And I think Ben Hunt just shoveled the ball back to him. He had to take another one and got, and got smashed and he got straight back to his feet. Um, so I think like, th- this is what we spoke about at the back end of last year where we were talking about do the Dragons blood players. And I think I spoke about body development and actually being ready for first grade. He- he's physically ready now. Um, and, and again, this, 
you know, we've been a little bit negative on Anthony Griffin and, and does he play the guys that, that should be playing and, and, you know, do you just throw guys in the deep end where, like last year, Sloan got thrown in the deep end and then that kind of didn't work. We've heard stuff recently, even today, I think Sloan came out and credited Griffin again um, that he wasn't quite ready. But I, I think the Dragons have been very patient with their junior development, particularly the forwards, because you have to be ready physically. So I, I think he, he he's a... You know, he reminds me of a young, you know, a couple of years ago, the Broncos had Flegler and um, Carrigan and all these guys coming through. He's just, he doesn't just look like an athlete. He's a football player. And there's a big difference between being one or the other. He, he's he got both. So, and, and he's got an identical twin brother. So if you can play anything <laughs> like him, the Dragon's going all right. Yeah, no, nah, very, very good. And, and I will just kind of leave leave you with this comment um, when the Dragons uh, released it on their official website. Uh, their general manager, Football Ben Harron, said this, said that the style of players with their work ethic, humility and character that will continue to build the club around over the coming season. So if they can do that, if they can uh, build it around players that have those uh, those kinds of um, uh, character uh, character traits and uh, work ethic and humility um, both on and off the field, and I think the Dragons are going to be in a lot better position than they've been uh, the last few seasons. So congratulations to both uh, Ryan and Toby. Hopefully long careers uh, in the Red V. Uh, the Dragons have announced their New South Wales Cup and Jersey Fleet squads uh, for this weekend's showdown. They'll be taking on uh, the Newcastle Knights in, in both affairs. Uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a, a double header for uh, fans down in the South Coast, Ron Costello Oval at Shell Harbour hosts a bit of uh, Group 7 footy normally uh, down there. It's going to be the uh, the ground for the Dragons up against the Knights. And this is how their Jersey flag side lines up. We'll touch on the results a little bit later on the podcast, but a 32 points to 10 defeat uh, for the 21s, the Jersey flag side, and a 34 points to 4 defeat for the Dragons uh, in the New South Wales Cup. So they'll be looking to bounce back into results. Uh, for the Dragons, Dane Courtney is the fullback. Uh, Brock Sebelvelda is on one wing. The other is Cooper Roberts. In the centres, Ben Rumble and Ben Johnson. The 5'8 is Callum Perryman. The halfback is Riley Pascoe. Uh, some strength up front with Bryce Magnone and Jacob Webster, who was the New South Wales under-19s rep last season in the props position. Uh, Ryan Barbuto is the hooker. And the back row of Harry Rudd, Campbell Watchers and Declan Purcell with Trey Barlow, Tom Phillips, Travis Barrett-Hancock and Matthew Noakes lining out the 17-man squad for the Dragon. Ryan Hodgson and Maxwell Pritchard on the extended bench. And then after that at 2 p.m., the reserve grade game, uh, the New South Wales Cup fixture between the Dragons and the Newcastle Knights. And this is how the Dragons line up. Paul Turner named at fullback. So uh, there may be some kind of uh, sights into uh, if there are injuries. He kind of is the next uh, cab off the rank in the fullback role. The wingers, Alex Lobb and Sionu Finau. Uh, the centers are Tatao Moga and Jackson Sherub, who has played a little bit of center in his time, but is more noted as a back rower. So very interesting decision there uh, by head coach Bronx Goodwin. Zach Herring comes into the side at 5'8". And Junior Ramon will play halfback. Um, yeah, he didn't have a, the, the greatest of performances last week at Cogra. Um, a couple of balls kicked out in the full, a couple of errors. Uh, tried hard, but just, you could just tell, was kind of uh, throwing off a, a little bit of that rust. Aaron Wood starts at prop alongside Nick Luotoso, while Conor Mulhaisen is the hooker. And the back row, Dan Russell, Billy Burns, and Michael Molo, uh, who dropped uh, out of the Dragons' first-grade squad on Sunday. And the bench, Harley Finau in 14, Ryan Couchman 15, Toro Fumione 16, and Aaron Johnson 17, and uh, Trey Stewart named amongst the reserves in jersey number 18. So, if you're changes there for the Dragons. It'll be great to see if both uh, the Jersey Fleek and New South Wales Cup side can rebound uh, after disappointing performances uh, on uh, Saturday and Sunday, respectively, uh, last weekend. And now time for the Who Am I as we finish off our Dragons news and updates section and decide to do something a little bit different today. I thought 
being episode 165, why don't I choose a player that has played 165 games uh, for the Dragons? Now, I'm not going to tell you if it was the St. George Dragons, if it was the Illawarra Steelers, or if it was the St. George Illawarra Dragons. That's going to be you uh, to, to work out because I don't want to give you too many clues because I know that you guys are, are pretty thorough with your, your rugby league knowledge. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple of clues. So this particular player uh, was born in Wollongong. Uh, playing height of 183 centimetres and 108 kilos. Uh, played f- has played 14 games uh, for New South Wales, two for New South Wales country, and has also represented Australia 14 times. Uh, now, I'm not sure whether I should give you a clue of their playing position because it might give you a little bit away. But So I, I won't do that just yet, but I will say that this particular player um, did uh, attend Illawarra Sports High School uh, and in 2009, uh, they were selected as a centre for the Australian Rugby Union Schoolboys Tour uh, of the United Kingdom and Ireland. And then they went on and started their career uh, with the uh, the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks uh, in the old NYC, Kurt, um, in the 2010 season. There's a host of other clues I could give, but I um, just want to be a little bit a little bit reserved. If you've got any any ideas or, or a few players you can think of that that this uh, these clues kind of might might lead to for the Who Am I this week, Kurt? Oh, I, I, I was starting to go towards someone like Bo Scott, but he 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 was uh, earlier than than that era, I think, and he was also he's a Picton junior, I think. I, I can't remember if mm, Bo Scott. That's uh, that's that's Western Suburbs territory, isn't it, Picton? Yeah, that's uh, well, it's part of the West Tigers catchment now, the the former Group Six. So I, I'm guessing that's not him, and and not playing anymore. Is he retired? Uh, this player is actually still a current player, and that's probably going to be a massive clue for a lot of people. At the club, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to confirm or deny it. They are just a current player. Oh well, come on, 14 New South Wales, 14 Australia. I'm having a mind blank. Um, uh, uh, no idea. Uh, okay, so he's a he's a rugby player and played centres. So, yeah. he's, so he's a, I'm assuming he's a forward at the Dragons, or was at the Dragons? But originally started as an outside back. Yeah, well, he was he was picked on an Australian Rugby Union Schoolboys tour as oh. as, as a centre. Um, oh, yeah. Does his brother play for the All Blacks? Um, I'm not sure. You might you've you've probably stumped me there. Uh, I'm not sure, but all right, that's fine. Play on. Well, uh, I'm sure there's people that are, are, are furiously writing writing notes down or have already got the Who Am I for this week. But we'll uh, uh, recap a couple of those clues and uh, give you a, a few other clues if you are struggling a little bit uh, with this week's Who Am I. That wraps up, uh, wraps up all of our latest Dragons news and updates uh, here on episode 165 of the Red V podcast. We're going to take our first break. And then on the other side of that, jump in and review uh, the that big performance uh, against the Gold Coast Titans. It was a bit of a shot start by the Dragons, but they bounced back nicely and played some fluent rugby league, especially in the second half, to run out 14-point victors. We'll talk about who were the, the pick of the players out in the field, uh, what were the, the, the promising signs we saw from the Dragons, things they need to work on, as well as a lot, lot more as we go through everything here on the Mighty St. George Illawarra Dragons. Episode 165 of the Red V Podcast, Curtis Woodward and me, Jack Clifton, guiding you through all of the regular season information about the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Time for us to review that big win by the Dragons against the Gold Coast Titans on Sunday evening. Curtis, a very positive start to the season uh, for the Dragons. Um, the, I guess fans are, are delighted, no doubt, to, to see a victory. Uh, started with a bye 
picked up another couple of points. So four points uh, from four. Plenty of standouts. When, when you look across the, the board, you, you probably couldn't put a, a mark through anyone that uh, you would say had a poor game. I think everyone contributed uh, in the sense that the outside backs ran the ball hard. The, the forwards laid a bit of a platform, especially in the latter part of that first half and then well into the second half. Um, who, who, what impressed you most about this performance, Kurt? Oh, just the overall energy of the team and, and things that, that we, we've said for, for many months that, it, that were kind of validated. I, I, I thought the names that, that you know, I, uh, again, we, we, we spoke about the Dragons needing to be really good through the middle, um, be impactful, show some energy. Um, uh, to see Little be as good as he was at dummy half and, and, and Musgrove, his impact from the bench. We spoke about that in, in off-season two about do the Dragons just start their best front rowers or who they think their best front rowers are, or do they think about a 17-man game where it's literally about the 80 minutes and the impact that um, the the middle forwards, um, if they hunt as a pack, I, I think it was all vindicated. Murdoch Masilla was great. So by the end of the game, mate, I sat back, I, I lit up a cigar, I got the double malt Glenfiddich, <laughs> Glenfiddich out and um, sat back and, and just really enjoyed what was a, a great game. I, I, the, the best thing for me is, and some people might disagree, but I, Ben Hunt was great, but he wasn't the best player on the field. Um, and to me, that that's a good sign for the Dragons, that Ben Hunt had a good game, but he didn't get me out of the match. Uh, um, I, I think in previous seasons, the Dragons might have scraped through this game and got it, got the win, and Ben Hunt might have got me out of the match, and everyone would be talking about Ben Hunt again. Ben Hunt had a great game, there was other blokes there that deserved um, um, play of the year points a little bit more than Ben Hunt, which is really, really, really good. Um, I, I, there was a couple of times there where I thought, and, and I'm not knocking Ben Hunt here, but this is more a compliment to, to Sullivan and a bit of his calmness, if you want to call it that, where um, in the first half on the right-hand side, nothing was happening, so he would take the ball first receiver, square up a little bit, but then turn one of his plays on the outside back in. And they'll take the tackle and and open back up the field again to the left-hand side. Where, funnily enough, Ben Hunt, who's been the Dragons' best player for so long, there, there was a couple of times where, where I think Ben Hunt even got lost and he overrided a few calls and went blindside and then shifted a, a pass on and then his outside backs had, had nowhere to go, took the tackle, and because they were trapped on the sideline, the last tackle play was literally just an old Ben Hunt up and under. Mm. So I, I, there were some really, really positive signs there. And, and I think the best part about it too is is offensively, the game wasn't driven by Ben Hunt. Ben Hunt had a good game, but it was driven by the guys around him. And that then opened up the fact that there was space for, for someone like Sloan to actually be the star that he can possibly be. Um, and I've got to give credit to, to, I think it was Josh Kerr and Musgrove, all the Sloan try, where Kerr didn't just go up to the try line, maybe like, and I'm not going to bring up any names that have been previously at the club, but in that situation, maybe it was just a, you know, a, a waste play and you go to the line and you wrestle and get up and try to get a quick play mm. the ball. Kerr actually went into the line thinking that this was an attacking chance. He took three in the tackle, um, one I think around the waist, two over the top, but still had the common sense to say, there's a chance for me to offload the ball. You got the ball back. Musgrove in, in a half a second. You yeah. know, we've spoken about Musgrove off field. He, he might be the smartest bloke in the, you know, in, in, on the paddock. But on the field, Musgrove is a good football player. Um, and, and then he realised what was happening. 
He took the contact, spun, got the offload, then Ben Hunt in, in broken play, um, beat one with a dummy, and then Sloan just boom. Uh, that is that is as good as the top two or three teams in the competition could do in that situation. Mm. There's really good signs there. Um, your mate Blake Laurie had a, 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 an absolutely incredible game. Um, and the best part for me too, uh, and, and obviously I'll throw this back to you in a second, is that I was looking at the stats today from the bench itself. And I always look at the output from the bench to, to tell me how truly good a team was in victory. All four players, all the forwards, by the way, all forwards, Little, Musgrove, Capsman and Kerr all ran for 100-plus metres in the game. Yeah. The only forward, and I'll take Umbai out of this because I think he ran for nine metres at the start of the game. But that, that's the hardest time for any dummy half to, to make metres. But apart from him and Murdoch Mastella, who I think ran for 88 or, or 90, every other forward in the entire 17 ran for 100-plus. I yeah. would love to know the last time either the whole bench ran for 100, all forwards, or the almost entire pack ran for 100-plus. It you, truly and, was a great game to watch. It was Champagne footy, it's great. Does, does that come down to, to the service at a, at a dummy half? Because I know we've, we've, I don't know if you and I have discussed it, but we've certainly mentioned it on the podcast. Does the the lack of quality service from the nines at the Dragons kind of inhibit the the performances of, of these forwards? Do, do you think the influence of Little had, had an effect, or, or is it a was it a, was it a passion thing? Were they chomping at the bit to get involved, and they just showed some real energy and enthusiasm when when they came on those big boys? I think they go hand in hand. It, it depends. And it's the mindset of the player on the field too is um, it, it, if you're not confident and, and, you know, back in the day, like we used to talk about wingers and, and centers getting the shakes and having to spend some time in reserve grade, that, that can happen to forwards too. So I just think it was, I just think it was intent from the forwards mm. um, hunting as a pack um, and, and of the understanding that the harder they work for the middle, Yes, there's going to be some results on the back of it. So um, it's like chicken or the egg. I mean, Jacob Little could have had a shocker on Sunday night and, and tried as hard as he could with no result. But because he had time to play football, that was that was put down by the, the middle forwards. And, and, you know, we can talk at nauseam about rugby league and um, different shift plays and eyes up football and 40-20s and stats and fantasy points. But rugby league games are won by, by the middle forwards. Mm. And the dragons really look like they enjoyed being um, being getting down and dirty on Sunday, which which I haven't seen from the dragons in a long time. They enjoyed playing tough footy, and I love to see it. Yeah, I thought they yeah they they, they really laid the platform well. Um, I think the. I wouldn't say the first 15 or 20 minutes was poor because I thought the Dragons kind of dominated possession. They got some good territory. They had a bit of ball inside the, the Titans half, but I think there was those kind of those, those little chinks in the armor that we saw last year. Uh, there was three consecutive penalties when the Gold Coast were coming out of their own half. There was a few six against a couple of kind of elementary errors, but I don't want to talk about that for, for the time being. I, I just was really impressed, Kurt, with the resilience shown by that Dragons uh, side to, I think in previous years, down by eight, down by 10 points, they, they could have easily dropped their heads and uh, kind of 
seemed a little bit ironic that, that one of the young guys that hadn't been uh, been given too many opportunities in the last couple of seasons was the one that came up with a big player, a lovely dart through the middle of the field. It was actually a little bit of lazy marker play by uh, Dave Hafita, that who Torrell Sloan just really skated past. And, and then Jacob Little, who we've kind of waxed lyrical about, backed up beautifully and scored under the post. And once they scored that try, that seemed to kind of be the impetus, the uh, the platform, and, and they were just able to kick on, kick on from there and score a couple of late tries to, to go into the sheds with a halftime lead. Yeah, I, I really liked, and, and I'll revert back to uh, something that happened in the, the charity shield up at Mudgee as well, where Sloan was having a shocker. Um, and we, we spoke about this, why he was packing down at lock defensively so close to his own try line. He'd made another mistake, but then the, the, the Rabbitohs looked all money to score a try 60 metres away on the left-hand corner. But it was Sloan that, that got from the other side of the field to get there to help Ravalauer knock the ball over the sideline. At 12-2, and I think it was Verrill scored the second try. Was it the second try? Yeah, yeah, that was that, that was a that was that, a soft one. Yeah, that dummy half, and and, and that would have been that would have given um, shivers down the spine for Dragons fans, thinking, "Oh God, here we go again." But I I, I had hope, so I, I I sat there and said, "Okay, well, I want to see what the Dragons got the next ten minutes," and and they just put the foot down. They were, you know, that was not the same Dragon side that I saw last year, and it is fresh blood, and and. You know, I know there's some fan questions up later, kind of around the same stuff. So we'll get to them and we don't want to um, burn those questions. But I just loved the bounce back factor when something didn't go right for the Dragons. They they didn't fall to pieces, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. Credit must go to Tyrell Sloan because I, I don't think fan, I don't think us as fans realize the the resilience and the bounce back you need as a professional sportsman. We, we saw him in tears uh, at the charity shield game against South. And to be honest, I thought that was blown out of proportion a little bit. Not, not the, not the incident with Toro where, where he was upset, but the fact that, um, uh, it wasn't even really fans so much. I thought it was kind of more coming from the media that he had a horrid night. The first three or four balls he, he took comfortably. He dropped a couple, but South were a quality team. So I always thought that was that was blown a little bit out of proportion. But but you could see the the joy and the ecstasy in his face, Kurt, when when he set up that try. He scored another one in the second half, and yeah, you can just tell he's a player that really loves pulling on the the red the red V. He comes down from the Illawarra, but he loved being at Cogra, loved uh, being in front of the Dragons faithful as well. So I, I was really happy for him to uh, to perform and, 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 I guess, find a role, find some consistency um, and have a boost in morale as part of this Dragons team. Uh, we mentioned Little. Little, I thought, was superb. He gave us a real spark out of out of acting half. He was, uh, yeah, well over 100 metres run, scored a try. Um, he gave really good service out of out of that acting half role and, and combined really well with the forwards. And I also really liked what, what Jack Bird did at, did at 13. I know Toby Couchman came on and kind of played in that middle role a little bit as well. But I thought... Um, um, yeah, Jack Bird did some did some good things. He's never going to be that uh, that uh, prototype number thirteen that Brad Mackay or um, Brad Bradley Clyde um, or uh, Johnny Raper, if you want to go back several decades. He, he he comes up with a few defensive misses. He's um, I think he kind of made the most missed tackles for the Dragons last season. But what he he lacks um, on that defensive side of the ball, sometimes he can make up with it with the ball in hand. And really enjoyed him uh, taking a bit of the playmaking duties off the halves. We saw uh, in the first kind of I think it was in the first ten minutes he he crabbed across field. And if if Jaden Seward didn't 
didn't put down that that face ball, then he could have easily uh, crashed over next to the upright. So I thought he brought a, a little bit of direction to the Dragons uh, attack. And, and of course, as we've we've kind of touched on a little bit previously in the podcast, Couchman on debut looked like a guy that had been there for, for 100, 120 games. I thought uh, they were just some of the, the, the names that I was thinking of as I was writing the run sheet this afternoon. You could you could probably talk about every 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 man in that 17-man squad and, and talk about the really good things uh, they did. Ravalava ran the ball really hard. He was taking the ball off the kickoff like he was a he was a prop forward. It was it was a really promising performance and, and a real team performance, like you touched on earlier, Kurt, where it wasn't just everything coming off the back of Ben Hunt. He contributed, scored a great try, and he marshaled the troops, but there was plenty of other players that were were putting their hand up to be involved and contributed to that that win on Sunday night. Yeah, agreed. And and just quickly on Jack Bird as well, is that um, he's, he's had a lot of injuries in mm. his career, but I, I think the thing about Jack Bird is he may never play for New South Wales again, right? But he could still have a, a, a career where, where whatever club he goes to, if he stays at the Dragons or, or moves on somewhere else, but if he stays fit, fans are going to love his output. And, and I just think too, with with scouting and tip sheets and when a when a club sits down at the start of the week, the kind of guy Jack Bird is, is that yeah, you can write down a few things that might happen in the game. You might have an injury, uh, sorry, a, a mistake in him here or there. But there's things he does on a football field that no expert from rival club can write down on paper because he's, he's a footballer that can create something defensively or offensively that you just cannot predict. And I think that, that that's one of the things that I've touched on in the last few months with the Dragons is, do the Dragons want to keep playing the same old football or do they want to be the, the team or, or pick their team on paper that opposition sides don't want to play? So I think Jack Bird has to be there somewhere and I'm glad he's fit because when he's fit, he looks a lot more interested and, and, and um, you're, you're starting to, to get something out of Jack Bird, which is, which is great because the Dragons... Only a few weeks ago, we were talking about a lack of depth and, and how much trouble they were in if their top 17 didn't stay on the field. Now we're talking about, um, you know, Amoni playing reserve grade, Aaron mm. Wood in reserve grade. I think I saw too, and, and I, this is another thing I like to look at in, in team previews when the teams come out. The bloke that played a fullback against St. Helens, Trey Stewart, mm. he's 18th man in reserve grade. Yeah. And we've got someone like Tyrrell Fui Moyono sitting in number 16 on the bench for the Dragons too. Now, um, you know, there might be injuries or, or fitness or whatever involved there or form itself, but not many teams can say they've got guys like that coming through. Um, young Ryan Couchman's on the bench too. So I think I think there's, there's positives there for the Dragons. The last thing I'll say though, and, and this is my final note, um, the Dragons had 55% of the ball. So that's great. But, there's been other times where the Dragons have been in contests but been absolutely shocking in periods of the game where they've had 55% of the ball and still lost by 20 or 30 points. Yeah. The game on Sunday, to give them the credit they deserve, they could have had 40% of the ball, but because of the way they played with the time they had the ball, they would have still won the game, if that makes sense. Mm. They When they had the ball, they did what they had to with the time they had with it. And I think even if they had less time with the ball, the way they played, they still would have put a number on the Gold Coast Titans, which is a really good sign. And the other thing I wanted to say about Bird was, um, and, and you touched on it brilliantly, Kurt, talking about his injuries, but I think the other thing that's crueled him, and I think it's crueled other players as well, has been his versatility. So we saw him play under 20s for, for the Dragons, a 
a dragons, a dragons junior. Um, yeah, coming up through that that wonderful Illawarra system, um, and I think he played thirteen for the Dragons twenty mainly, um, and then he went to Cronulla and he he played five eighth in that first year, and then they he played a little bit of back row, and then he was in the centres when he um, won the grand final with them, and then he went when he went on to play for New South Wales, he was back in the halves at Brisbane, and then even at the Dragons, and this is kind of what I was critical of with Griffin, so I'm glad he's made a decision to put Bird at thirteen because he's. He played in centre that first year. He last year he played fullback. He played five eight. He played in the second row. But I think thirteen is that uh, is that spot for him. So I'm glad to see him settled. And I, I would hope that when Jack DeBellin does come back, that Jack DeBellin either comes back off the bench or uh, if he is in the run on side, that they 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 shift him into the front row because I think with him getting a little bit older, I think he probably adds a bit more value in the front row rather than in that uh, that lock position, that back row position for for the Dragons. But I, I was very impressed with with Jack Bird and. and and kind of keen to see um, a little bit more of him. Um, I guess it would be remiss of us not to talk about, I guess, some of the, the negative things from from, from that game. Um, first 15 minutes, first 20 minutes really defensively um, not great. A little bit of ill-discipline, what we touched on before, so I won't kind of rabbit on about that anymore. But uh, defensively, the, the, the first try you see, um, uh, Jaden Sullivan, for, for all money, looked to have AJ Brimson around the hips. He somehow broke free and, and floated a ball over the top to, to Khan Pereira, who scored. The second try, um, Sam Verrill's just a, a little bit of, of slow market offense by the Dragons, not getting back in position. I think Tyrell Sloan was caught out of position a little bit as well. He was up defending in the line um, and uh, he just burrowed low and scored. And then uh, I guess the game was already wrapped up at 32-12. So you could, I guess, uh, yeah, kind of maybe shift this one to one side. But uh, when Big Tino crashed over, there were three pretty soft tries. I'm sure when, when the video work has taken place for the Dragons either early this week or, or whenever it is uh, down there at training at Wollongong, they would probably point out that they would have been disappointed to concede those kind of tries. Always lovely to score 32 points and and uh, yeah, put points on the op- opposition and and score some great tries that will go on highlight reels at the end of the season. But I'm sure the, the Dragons would have been disappointed with some of the, those um, those soft defensive players that against a, a high quality side and taking nothing away from the Titans, but against a, a Brisbane this week or a Cronulla or a Parramatta or a Penrith or Roosters, Melbourne, any of those sides that's going to be regularly in the top four or top eight, the Dragons could really be crucified. So that's something that they need to try and get right because, uh, yeah, some of those tries were uh, were a little bit disappointing to concede, especially the ones that came in the first 20 minutes after the Dragons had had all the ball down inside the Gold Coast half. Yeah, there were some worrying signs there. I, I would have been a little bit more sceptical of their chances this week against Brisbane if the Dragons ended up winning... 23-22 after getting themselves back into the game. So if they were down 12-2, then got themselves back into the game and then fell in a rut again like like the old Dragons would do and then kind of just um, lucked their way through the game and got a win, something like that, then we wouldn't be as positive because we'd be pretty worried that it's it's still the same old Dragons. But I like the fact, disregarding the, the final Titans try, that they they... They probably started at, at um, you know, a, you know, at a two, and then, you know, if you're talking about gears, they probably started at a two, and then went to a three, and then kind of clicked into maybe like a, you know, three and a half, four, and then kind of were happy to with the big win. But I, I think we we would be a little bit more skeptical of the Dragons this week. And yes, positives, you know, oh hurrah, we won by Golden Point, but it, it didn't happen. That second half. Um, kind of abyss that the Dragons seem to go into 
where they kind of fall off fall off the horse and, and can't get back on and kind of scrape their way through or they lose the game somehow and there's a player sin binned and then, you know, a kick goes out in the full and stuff like that. This was a, a really good performance, but I understand what you're saying and we touched on it at the start of the show. I mean, they can't start that slow again next week. No. Um, even with all the ball, because it doesn't matter how much football you've got. If the other team is prepared to play football, they could have 35% of the ball and blow you away from anywhere on the field. That's how good these teams are. So for the Dragons, I think they're acutely aware, and I think the best thing that could happen to them is is how they started, because the rest of the game was great. But if they do that again against the Broncos, I'm scared of uh, – I'm, I'm not necessarily the score, because I think the Dragons are a better team than they've been in, in other years, but I think the game could be gone before they, they get a chance to actually play for the game. Did that result on Sunday point to the fact that the Red V can, can do something this season or is the sample size too small and is it far too early to, to tell whether the Dragons could could turn turn the corner and, and be one of those sides that, that can challenge against some of those sides we've spoken about previously that, that have been mainstays in the top eight? Well, I, I think some of these teams in the top eight are on the slide. I, I think some teams are coming back to the pack. You know, before the year, everyone's got their, their bold predictions and where teams are going to place and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm happy to say my my um, prediction for the Dragons was, was the bottom four. Um, and in saying that, though, I, I, I did argue that from, you know, around eighth place down to that, that, that bottom section is, is going to be the, excuse me, the, the tightest in recent history. But then if you had to re, um, reset after a couple of weeks of the football, you would say, that the Dragons, if they keep playing the way they are, are, are better than the bottom four. So that, mm. that brings them back into contention. And then when you think that that uh, that it's going to be so tight through the middle, you need to be playing an exciting brand of football and give yourself a chance in every game, even if you're not playing your best footy. So I think Dragons fans have a right to, to think that they're a chance at the eight. If they keep playing like that, I, I think it was uh, Matthew Elliott, uh, who said recently on the uh, the other Dragons podcast that if they stay fit, there's no reason why they can't. And and that's you know that that that's not saying much. Like Matt Elliott is a a, a brainiac of the game. He knows more than we'll probably think, um, you know ever know about football. But um, all clubs are the same. If if you mm. start losing players to injury, you're in trouble. So the Dragons need to stay fit. And if they do stay fit and they keep the same players on the field, it's a guarantee that. The, Sullivan and Sloan and Little are going to get better. It's an absolute guarantee that they will get better. They, they, they will be 15 times better at the end of the year than they are now. So it's just about picking up wins in those tight games that they've, they've been losing and gaining that confidence because Sullivan and Sloan and, and even Jacob Little to, to an extent because of his injuries at, at previous clubs, they haven't even scratched the surface of what they can do in the NRL. I think these players still don't even believe that um, they can dominate week to week. And once they start doing that, winning some games, I think um, I think all bets are off. Yeah. So, look, give it a, give it maybe another month and then obviously as the, the season goes on, but um, fingers crossed for the Dragons, they can keep building and these guys keep growing into their, their first grade boots. Yeah, it's that mentality thing, isn't it? It's trying to build the confidence within the camp, especially for the younger players that are trying to find their feet in first grade. And that that mentality, not letting the, the foot off the throat. So let's hope the Dragons can uh, continue that uh, this week. And that kind of uh, transitions nicely into our match preview of the Dragons taking on the Brisbane Broncos this Saturday night at 7.30. Miraculous that Brisbane don't have a Friday night game. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Channel 9 are uh, really struggling with the fact that they uh, haven't got the Broncos on Friday night. But the Dragons have them on a Saturday night 
up there at Suncorp. There was a massive crowd there uh, on Friday night for their derby win against the against the Cowboys. Um, plenty of Dragons fans in southeast Queensland, so I, I would expect a pretty big crowd there. As you mentioned, Kurt, the weather pretty nice, fairly humid, but it being played uh, an hour earlier than the 7.30 time slot that we'll see it in because of no daylight saving up there in, in Queensland. It'll be pretty nice conditions uh, by kickoff. So I would expect close to, I reckon, 40,000 there with two last start winners and the Broncos two from two. It should be uh, should be a pretty good affair up there in Queensland. Yeah, and since the uh, the merger in 98, the, the Dragons, St. George Little World Dragons have a, a good record against the Broncos. I think the Broncos lead that 24-20 over, over 44 games. I wouldn't even argue before that. Um, I'm not sure about the Steelers' record, but from memory, the, the, the St. George Dragons always did pretty well in, in Brisbane. The old Wayne Bennett versus Brian Smith stuff in the 90s mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, this is a game to be won. There's no reason why the Dragons cannot win this game. It's about their mindset and, and taking advantage of what they did at the uh, you know the, the final 60 minutes against the Gold Coast. The Broncos, the, the Broncos are playing great footy, but like I said at the top of the show, I, I, I just feel like this is a great time to get them as well. Um, that they played amazing footy to beat the Panthers. Uh, I think it was 13-12 in Penrith, whatever it was. Yeah. Adam Reynolds is playing great football, and he's got some some really good kids around him as well. Reese Walsh is back in the team. Last week against the Cowboys, they were great again. I, I just think if the Dragons are in this game, it's not even about arm wrestles anymore. Get in a shootout, play for 80 minutes and back yourself. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I would love them to make a fast start. I mentioned it last week on the podcast and we saw another slow start. And I won't kind of go through those stats of what we saw last year when the Dragons conceded the first try. Although they did resurrect that because they did concede the first try and went on to win something they couldn't do last season. But I think against these teams, you've got to come out of the gates quickly. Um, and not necessarily kind of um, uh, invoking that they, they need to be passionate and need to kind of bash the crap out of those big Brisbane forwards. But come out of the gates quickly. I think, yeah, for far too long, the Dragons, have been a side that's come out of the gates relatively slowly. Um, I guess they played pretty well in the first 15 minutes, but you don't want to be giving up a 10 or 12 point advantage to a, to a Brisbane side. Um, I think they're, they're kind of a side that would have been disappointed with how things finished last season. Uh, and they're looking to prove a few doubters, lo- uh, doubters wrong. And, and obviously Kevin Walters, I guess the verdict's still out on him, but we'd love to see the dragons just kind of come out of the, come out of the blocks early Kurt, because uh, I think that's the difference between the, the average teams, the average NRL clubs and, and those sides that are kind of a little bit upper echelon um, that, that are the regular members of the top eight fraternity. So I would love to see them to, um, yeah, to, to show a, show a little bit of class early on and, and try and skip out to an early try and yeah kind of smack Brisbane in the mouth and and jag a couple of quick tries against them I'm sure that's what they want to do no 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 football team sits there and thinks oh I'm going to give a team a, a 12 or 16 point advantage but I think if if we if we start like we did against the Gold Coast and if we're wasteful uh, in the opposition half and we give away easy penalties and six agains and, and drop the ball and and some of that ill-discipline creeps back into the game then I think it could be a, a long evening up there in Brisbane. Yeah, and look, I got no problem. I look at the Broncos' outfit and how much attack they've got from their own end. I mean, they're going to be unless they fall over in a heap again. That they're looking like, and I've, I had them at ninth at the start of the year. So there you go. But mm. um, I, I, you look at their team, like guys like Ezra Mam is killing it, and Herbie Farmworth has gone to another level, and Reese Walsh, like I said, back in the team. I, like I said, I want to see. I think sometimes when you watch the Dragons as, as a neutral, the game can kind of go on forever. And it's like, all right, go get another beer and come back and there's a <laughs> knock on and it's scrum and there's a forward pass. 
And then all of a sudden the Dragons give away a couple of, you know, dummy half tries on their own try line. I, I'd rather see a real free-flowing game of football where if the Broncos score a couple of tries, make them score them from their own half. Yeah. Make mistakes when you're attacking in defense down their end. Um, don't make the mistakes on your own try line. Don't don't let Broncos build pressure and then let them off by giving up soft tries on your own try line. Play football, trust yourself. And if the Broncos score a couple of tries, they probably will. Stags might get away or Farmworth or Cobbo. It, it will happen, but the Dragons have the ability to do the same thing. So it's it's all in the mind for the Dragons. I, I think they've got a big chance. They've just got to trust themselves on Saturday night. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing is that they've got enough talent in their squad to try and cause some problems. And yeah, gee, wouldn't it be great if there was a bit of a shootout between these these two sides? And oh, I think some of the players that they could be involved if it did get to that uh, that that kind of game. And, and some of the I guess the battles that I'm looking forward to, Kurt, is the the battle of the centers. You, you've got four immense centers, very talented, creative centers, but also probably a little bit different as well. You've got the the Brisbane pair of Herbie Farnworth, who signed to, to the Dolphins for for next. Next year, and, and you've also got Katoni Stags that are, are very quick, elusive players um, can get on the outside of their uh, their opposition quite easily. And then you've you've got a bit of a bash and bargain with the Dragons, especially with Moses Suli, runs like a back rower. Uh, Zach Lomax probably a little bit of a, of a different style to to Suli, but someone that loves to use his physical strength and fend players away. So regardless of who's matched up against who, I, I reckon that's going to be a cracking battle. And and gee, if the Dragon centers can get the better of their opposite numbers, we'll probably be talking about a Dragons victory next week on the podcast. Yeah, it's a real possibility. I've got a question for you, Jack. And, yeah. and did Matt Fino have an injury on Sunday night? He did. He uh, he rolled his ankle in a in a tackle uh, in the first half. So um, did he finish the game? I can't remember. Yeah, he did finish the game. Uh, I think it was fairly heavily strapped up. So yeah, we'll kind of yeah, have to okay. keep keep an eye uh, eye on socials because I think that's the, that's the thing, and that's what we spoke about in our position previews uh, during the off season. Is that yeah, if there is an injury to one of those outside backs, there's not a whole lot of quality to come forward. Maybe a, a Max Fiena gets an opportunity, uh, but yeah, probably more likely Tatao Moga gets a shot, and and no disrespect to him, but he is not of the same caliber of the players that you want uh, in your in your back line so um, let, yeah. let's hope that nothing's wrong there Kurt yeah because I was just looking at the numbers from the weekend and, and um, the, the back five all went 100 plus as well uh, and Fene, um six runs for 42 meters so that, that's why I asked um, that, that they need if Fene is not 100% fit I would rather take someone else that is 100% fit against the Broncos because at Suncorp Stadium and I think I've spoken about this on this podcast and also written articles about it too, is that, that how rugby league is, is much more a bit like basketball and it's, um, um, you know, up and down um, rotation football where it's literally up and down the field and how quickly you can get in positions and how quickly you can dominate the middle on kick returns and stuff like that. I, I think the Dragons for them, uh, um, if the, they can't take Fine in if, he, if he's not right because the Broncos – if, if the Dragons get on the back foot, there will be times where the Dragons get on the back foot and there will be kicks that go on the full to Reese Walsh, that go on the full on the chest of Cobbo and stuff like that, where the Broncos will have momentum and they will find themselves on third tackle 40 after the Dragons line. Mm. But for the Dragons, for me, they, they need the back five firing. Rubber Lauer was awesome on the weekend. Obviously, like you said, Fino had an injury. I, I'd be worried that uh, the Broncos target him not necessarily with um, you know turning him around and, and getting some big bodies to corner him uh, on his side of the field, but also trapping him with some um, some uh, some block plays and, and shifts out to his side of the field. So it'll be interesting to see how fit he is. Can 
just remind me, how was he by the back end of the game? Was it just the fact that they kept him in the game and the Dragons were playing so well that that, that it didn't really matter that Fino yeah, was I th- I think, taking an injury? Yeah, I think he was fine after a while. I think it was one of those injuries he was able to run out. It's just, yeah, hopefully it's not something that, that kind of lingers and, and, and weakens the ankle joint for him. He seemed to be fine. I was obviously watching from way back up on the hill, so um, I've, I've watched a, a couple of replays of the game, and he seemed to be running fine in the second half, so hopefully no... You uh, weren't in the chairman's box? No, didn't get invited to the no, chairman's no, lounge this no, time no, around. Yeah, so, no. Um, yeah, no, up up on the hill with uh, with, with the real fans, Kurt. Nah, just kidding. Man, man they're, all, people, they're, all, they're all real fans, that the ones that come to Cogger and Wollongong. <laughs> so, uh, like, I think when, when you look at this game, we can we can talk about the backs, we can talk about the creative play, but I st- I st- you still think that that's going to be one through that middle third of the field. Um, I, I know people have been, people have been on at me because I'm not not the biggest fan of Blake Laurie. I thought he was good on good on Sunday. I thought one of the plays for him, and, and no, it wasn't the try. It wasn't his carries in the in the early periods of the game. Uh, a big play from him was uh, when Kieran Fromm went to the line and kind of did a banana style kick back on the inside, and uh, AJ Brimson was screaming. through through and, and Blocker came back and I think he went to actually hit the ball dead. He fell on top of it and granted it dead in goal uh, and uh, and the Dragons were able to survive and I think there might have been an error from the following set from the, from the Titans and I think it's that kind of desperate play from your big men. Um, I th- yeah, I think he started the season well and hopefully we can see another uh, big performance from, from him. We can talk about all the forwards they have, the the, the Ben Murdoch, Masillas and the big bodies of Jaden Sewer that are playing on edge but but through the middle, um, I think Blake Laurie's the one that needs to try and put this Dragon side on, on his back and and really take it to Payne Haas. I'm sure when he looks at this match, he's probably got this fixture circled, Kurt. You love coming up against premier front rowers or, or premier uh, players in your position, especially those players that are representative players. And uh, if, if Blocker can get over the top of, of Payne Haas and, and lay a bit of a platform, then the Dragons have the firepower in the back to, to cause problems to Brisbane and, and probably go on and win this one. Yeah, I've, I've got a feeling, though, that uh, the Dragons will be um, trying to hunt in a pack with Payne Haas, uh, get up uh, under his ribs early in the game, get two, three, even four in the tackle, and try to upset him. I think for Blake Laurie, I, I, he had a really good game on the weekend. Um, you know, and, and I love, as an old front rower who does not have the best rig in the world, I, I love to see how hard he's gone to start the year. I'd be interested to see how he goes to start the game. I, I, but in saying that, I mean, like, I, I think he can have a, a wow of the first 10, 15 minutes. I love overall in the NRL in general the the, the fact that it, it really is an art form now, not just roster management, but something that's not talked about that much is the the body shape of a four pack, the mm. the overall body shape. Um, so you can't go into a game with with you know two front rows that are six foot six and cyborg second rows and locks. We're now seeing we've got you know the Jack Birds and at lock and um, you know smaller front rows. Corey Jensen for the Broncos. A couple of years ago, was was not a front row. I'd say he's barely six foot tall. Um, and and then you've got some big boppers uh, across both both teams. I, I like the look of the Dragons, Pat. I think they can shift the ball around if if they're in the game. I think they can move it around that ruck. And I think too, if Moses Umbai, if he does start, holds his own, and the Dragons um, are either leading or even when Little comes into the game. Yeah, if the dragons are on the front foot, Jacob Little could get man of the match again on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So it, it's an interesting one. The more and more I talk about this, the longer this podcast goes, the more excited I'm getting. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I might have to get on my uh, betting account and then start <laughs> looking at some uh, start looking at some prices because I'm I'm talking myself into this actually. 
Yeah, now should be a cracker up there in Brisbane. Let's hope the Dragons can make it uh, two wins out of two and six points out of six. 7.30 p.m. kickoff uh, up there in, in Brisbane. Kurt, you're brave enough to give us a, a score prediction for, for Saturday night? Uh, 10 all after 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Typical nah, politi politician's nah. answer from the mayor of Campbelltown. Okay, I, I'm not sure who's going to win, but I think the final score will be 30 to 22. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm. I, I, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna be. No, I'm gonna be confident. You know what? I was. Come on, Jack. I'm gonna be confident. They're saying you're too negative on social media. Come on. They are. They are. I'm gonna go confident. I'm gonna say the Dragons are gonna win it 24 20. Ooh, okay. With, yeah, yeah, with, yeah, a, with a yeah. with a Jaden Sullivan double uh, and Zach Lomax also finding us try and kicking four from four. I like it. Okay, well uh, we're going to take a break here on the Red V Podcast. We've wrapped up uh, all of the uh, the match preview and match review, and we're going to take a look at the lower grades and the junior reps. There were some good results for the Dragons uh, in the junior reps on the weekend. We'll also answer your fans' corner questions here in episode one sixty five of the Red V Podcast. <laughs> Jack Clifton and Curtis Woodward here with you on the Red V podcast, the undisputed home of everything uh, St. George Illawarra. Let's have a look at see what the results were and some of the uh, fixtures that are happening this weekend in the junior representatives and the lower grade competition. We spoke about uh, the Dragons uh, doing battle with Newcastle on the weekend. Uh, disappointing results uh, for uh, the reserve grade side with a host of NRL players. They were beaten 34-4. So let's hope that's a real wake-up call for them. Meanwhile, in the Jersey Flake Cup competition, the under-21 comp, uh, the Dragons beaten 32-10 by the Bulldogs. Uh, they trailed 32-0. A couple of late tries added some much-needed gloss uh, to that scoreline. Some disappointing results for some of those senior uh, lower-grade teams for the Dragons. But there was some great results uh, in the junior reps. We start with the under-17 Harold Matthews Cup competition and uh, the Dragons. They won last week, the, uh, the under-17 St. George boys, and uh, they picked up another win. Uh, on Saturday at Mascot Oval at home against Manly. They thumped them by 32 points to 12. And Manly uh, are well-renowned for uh, having a very good uh, junior rep system. Uh, but the Dragons were way too good. Uh, Jacob Halangalu, the back rower, the captain, again led from the front. He was player of the match with a couple of tries. We saw Aiden Hodges, uh, Bronson Emery and Xavier Nadira all cross over the line. While Ibrahim Charara, uh, the halfback, uh, marshaled the troops around beautifully and kicked five goals uh, from five attempts. as uh, they uh, Six goals from six attempts, pardon me as they won by 32 points to 12. So congratulations uh, to the boys there. Meanwhile, in the Harold Matthews Cup, the Steelers were just pipped by a very good Balmain side at uh, Collie's Sporting Complex in the gong, losing by 30 points to 28. It was a wonderful uh, individual try from Hayden Buchanan. He's one name to keep an eye on, uh, a centre for the Steelers. He'll definitely uh, work his way uh, into uh, SG ball next season and, and maybe even higher honours uh, for the Dragons. A wonderful try uh, to him. We also saw Harry Middleton, Lucas Borg, uh, Daniel Mirfor, and Brody uh, Breakspear all scored tries. And Aaron Fitzgibbon, uh, the, uh, the the young bloke of Craig Fitzgibbon, uh, again showing uh, how uh, valuable he is, uh, kicking four goals up from five attempts. He's another one to keep an eye on uh, throughout that, uh, that Illawarra system. Uh, jumping across to the SG ball competition, uh, the Dragons uh, made it uh, two wins in a row with a 30 points to 22 win. Uh, the big bopper, Loko Juna Pacific Tonga, he crashed over inside 60 seconds. Well, there's also a lovely barge of a try by Corey Akers, uh, 
Jesse Williams, Shadi Hamoud in the halves, and Pat O'Connor, the fullback, also scored as they ran in five tries to four to win by 30 points to 22 against Manly, who've been having a pretty good season. And Shadi Hamoud also kicked five from six for a personal haul of 14 points there. So Willie Talao doing a wonderful job with his George SG ball side as they've won back-to-back uh, -back games there. So congratulations to the coaching staff and the players. It was much easier for the Steelers. Uh, they hammered Balmain in the under-19s SG ball cup competition. They won by 54 points to four. We saw tries galore. Dylan Egan, who uh, trained in the preseason with the Dragons and also played in a, a couple of those uh, preseason uh, uh, fixtures. He scored a double on 57 and 60 minutes. There was also uh, some nice uh, tries. Uh, Ashton Ward scored a couple. James Walsh, uh, Taj Ford, the half over the line. And T. Umakeri, Heromeo Tukeri also scored. And Wesley Pring uh, completed the route with a 69th uh, minute try there. Ashton Ward, he scored two tries. He kicked seven goals. He picked up a haul of 22 points as the Steelers won by 54 points to four. So that's going to put them uh, in good stead as uh, we get a little bit closer uh, to the final series uh, in those competitions. Taking a look at the ladder, um, SG Ball, after six games, uh, the Steelers are able to pick up just their second win of the season, but an important one because it boosted their for and against to positive 32. They're on five points, just a, a solitary point ahead of the Dragons who lost their opening four but have won their last two. So uh, depending on how results go, uh, the Steelers or Dragons, if they could uh, uh, string some wins together at the end of the season and maybe scrape into the finals, but they do have their backs against the wall. If we, go, if we go down to the under-17 competition, uh, the UNE Harold Matthews Cup, uh, the Steelers and Dragons uh, are, find themselves uh, a little bit separated. The Steelers are in eighth at the moment. They've won three and lost two. Uh, they're currently plus two. The Dragons have uh, just picked up the one win. Sorry, I made the mistake of saying they'd won back-to-back -back games. That was the SG Balls and George side. The Harold Matthews Cup side picked up their first win of the season. They've also had a bye as well, so they're on four points behind. The Rabbitohs, the Roosters, and the Magpies were all on six points in that uh, that competition. And that leads us into uh, this week in the Matthews Cup competition. The Steelers involved at 10.30am uh, against the North Sydney Bears, again down at the Collegian Sportings Complex, uh, while the St. George Dragons take on Newcastle, a very strong junior representative side, 11am kickoff, uh, at, uh, currently being held at Netstrata Jubilee. But don't be surprised if that does get moved uh, to Mascot Oval, as that's where the Dragons have been playing a lot of games so far this season. Then at 12.30, St. George take on Newcastle, again at Cogra and at 1.30 down in the gong the Steelers take on the Bears and not forgetting the women's competition either uh, the Harvey Norman Tashigal Cup, the women's under-19 competition, sees the Steelers uh, uh, continue uh, playing at home. A 12 o'clock game, a triple header there at Collegian Sporting Complex uh, down in the gong against the North Sydney Bears. And the Dragons will also be part of a triple header at Cogra, a 2 o'clock kickoff on Saturday afternoon uh, against uh, the Newcastle Knights. And there's also a couple of semi-finals for you to be aware of. Those that have been uh, following uh, the Laurie Daly Cup and the Andrew Johns Cup, and there's semi-finals being played this weekend. Uh, so in the Laurie Daily Cup. They're being played at two different venues at Mori Breen Oval. You've got the Knights up against the Colts. We don't care about that. We only care about the Dragons, folks. And they'll be in action 10 a.m. Sunday morning uh, on the New South Wales Rugby League TV network. I'll actually be broadcasting that game, so if you want to join me from 10 o'clock, the Illawarra South Coast Dragons taking on the Northern Tigers. Meanwhile, in the Andrew Johns Cup competition, there's also finals uh, take place. Unfortunately, the Dragons uh, weren't able to uh, to make it through uh, to that semi-final stage, and they uh, find themselves 
themselves uh, out of the competition uh, with uh, the, the, uh, the, the decider happening between either the MacArthur West Tigers, your boys, Kurt, so you'll be happy about that. They're in action against the Central Coast Roosters and the Newcastle Maitland Region Knights up against the Monaro Colts. So there's still chance for a bit of silverware for the Illawarra South Coast Dragons, uh, but it will be happening in the Laurie Daly Cup competition uh, there. Uh, should there be uh, some, uh, some cracking contests happening. Uh, before we do uh, finish up our junior rep and lower grade uh, roundup, we'll just give you an update on what is uh, happening uh, with the uh, Tarshagal Cup and uh, having a look at the ladder. The Steelers currently a two wins, draw and two defeats and a buy after five games. They're on seven points, Pine Newcastle on 10, the Bulldogs on 12 and the Sydney Roosters Academy squad. So a big chance for the Steelers uh, taking on uh, the lowly and North Sydney Bears who uh, are yet to get a win, but have had a couple of draws uh, while the Dragons find themselves a second from bottom with just one win and uh, three points uh, for them. And uh, there was a disappointing night for uh, the Dragons last night or Monday night. They lost 50 points to nil in the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership or the NRLW Reserve Grade Competition uh, at the New South Wales Rugby League Centre of Excellence against a fired-up Central Coast Rooster side. Uh, meanwhile, the Illawarra Steelers had a, a couple of a big NRLW inclusions uh, uh, on the weekend. They won by 22 points to 10 against Canterbury, so an important win uh, for them that uh, keeps them in the upper echelon of the Harvey Norman New South Wales Women's Premiership. Four wins, a loss and a bye, currently on 10 points and sitting in top spots. So I know, uh, yeah, there was uh, a fair few uh, fans down there that were enjoying seeing some of the NRLW girls, uh, the uh, the likes of, uh, of Keely Brown, Emma Tonegato, I think Rachel Pearson um, and uh, Kezi Apps was there as well. So great to see some of those players uh, giving back to the local club as well and uh, hopefully pushing the Steelers forward uh, towards some premiership glory in that, that uh, Harvey Norman uh, New South Wales Women's Premiership. Well, almost time for us to get on out of here, but we're going to finish off like we do each and every week uh, by uh, answering your fans' corner questions. We've got to host them, Kurt, so we'll try and uh, race through and, and be uh, as thorough as we can, but also uh, kind of, uh, yeah, uh, wrap it up as quickly as, as we can. Uh, our first question comes from Ari Pups, and Ari said, do you use the same sock for every podcast or do you change it weekly? Uh, just kidding, boys. Keep up the good work. I was going to ask what your thoughts were on Jaden Sullivan's general play kicking. I feel like we haven't had a kicker who would kick to the corner grab it into the in goal for the purpose of getting a repeat set for a long time now. I thought his kicking contributed to their bigger boys' fatigue, which paid off in the end. Well, Ari, I'm glad I don't have to answer this question as a 17-year-old Curtis because I'll leave that one there. But <laughs> Jack, going, I'll leave this one for you, mate, because I feel like I've, 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 I've talked enough. Mate, tonight, I've, just but... spoke, I've just spoke for the last 10 minutes without a break. Yeah, I know, but you do that. But you do it so well. No, look, it, it's a it's a good option to have. Um, it creates a different dynamic in the um, attacking team, where the defensive side has to think about more than one thing. So, if you've got a defensive player um, mm. that's coming up with his defending plays, and Sullivan's got the ball, and you don't know if he's going to pass, run himself, or kick, and if he does have the kicking ability to slide it through players at different angles that puts plays in four or five different minds. And it only takes a split second for a defender to screw up, to, to take advantage of that. So that's no, good. I had some really, really good start. And, and I'm so glad he got to start on the weekend and be part of a big win. That, that That's the biggest thing. I'm so glad that happened. Uh, Andrew Faz has asked, uh, do we see room for Amon back in the side now with Sullivan performing so well, especially if Sullivan has a kicking game, which Amon doesn't seem to? Considering Little is not an 80-minute player, do we even have room for Amon on the bench? Uh, look, like I said before, if I was picking the Dragons team, I want to pick the side that looks the most dangerous to the opposition team. If Amon finds some form in reserve grade, uh, he's a potential bench player 
as we go along in the sense that the longer we play, the, the more confident Little gets that the Dragons management have confidence that Little can play 80 minutes from dummy half and that Amoni can just be a cover that could potentially play it as a as a floating lock or something like that. But who knows how long they're going to have Amoni for. Um, the investment now is in Sullivan at six. If you get Amoni for a few months, is he a better option if Little's killing it and starting at nine and playing 80 minutes? Because mm. I think Little is potentially an 80-minute player if he's fit and can prove he's fit. So then the question then is, who do you want on the bench out of Umbai and Amon, Jack? Yeah. Well, I, I would I would have Amon. He played there a little bit last year. Uh, I, he's obviously not a natural hooker. Um, and I would say they're probably on the same, uh, this I guess, the same wavelength, I guess, Mbai and, and Amon defensively in the middle of the field. I think he would give us a bit more creativity, but I'm happy for him to sit for another two or three weeks in reserve, Craig, because I don't think there's any any point sure. rushing someone back yeah. when you, you've won the last game. Amon was rusty in that first game. I would give him a, another 80-minute performance in, in in Reggie's and see what he can what he can dish up. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I think in the long term, Amon probably needs to be part of that 17, uh, but until, until that happens, happens um, until he finds some, some form and, and finds his feet, then, yeah, I, I think that the Dragons are probably fine to, to stay with the the, uh, the duo of, of Moses Zembai and, and uh, Jacob Little. Uh, Nick Costopoulos has asked, Lomax and Sully swapping sides played a huge part, in my opinion, of keeping Fafita limited. What were your thoughts on that move? Jack? I thought it was good. Yeah, I, I thought. Uh, yeah, I thought Lomax defended really well, and 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 the fact that we didn't really see or hear um, Dave Fitter's name in commentary much at all in that game showed they they kept him quiet. I thought the uh, the, the Dragons had, had planned for him very very well, and I thought he actually became a liability when he got caught napping in the center of the field, as we spoke about earlier with the the Tyrell Stone line break, which led to the Jacob Little try. So yeah, I, I, I know people were complaining about it, but I think it gives the Dragons a bit of a, a bit of versatility, and uh, I know he. he Fired the forward pass. He held onto the ball a little bit too long, Zach, with the uh, that that disallowed try in the in the first half. But I think him and him and Matt Finney are, are starting to work out a bit of a combination. And a kind of what we saw what Sully dished up to to Mika Ravalawa. They seem to really be enjoying themselves on that on that far side. Um, yeah, the, the the boys out there. So I, I thought it worked. It worked to worked to a T, Kurt. I have nothing to add to that. Uh, first off. Can I say Curtis is a great addition to the podcast? He really is sometimes the voice of reason in the discussions. Well, I don't know how much you've you've paid Mark here, Kurt, or if this is your better <laughs> account. But anyway, um, he said, yes, only first game, but there are some really positive signs, I thought, in regards to intensity and resilience. Attacking and defensive structures look better. How much of a difference do you think the assistant coaches have made, not only from a game point point of view, but I guess I dare say it from a culture point of view? Again, hope I'm not putting the cart before the horse. Cheers, Mark. Yeah, Marky Mark, thank you to my mate in California, and uh, <laughs> hello to the Funky Bunch as well. Uh, I, I, I kind of drifted off after hearing the compliment at the start. Of course but you did, mate. To, 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 to answer that, I, I think there is something at play there. Um, I hazard to say, um, without saying that Anthony Griffin has just said, you know, you young blokes go off with these with these young players and, and come up with some ideas and come back to me. You know, potentially he's done that. I think they look a lot more comfortable as a unit, and I'm not just talking about the players, but the coaching staff too. There was a point there in the game where um, was it um, Big Laurie went over, and mm. I've never seen Anthony Griffin so happy, and and the whole coaching staff in that box went up and they laughing and cheering. Um, so there might be something to that. I, I reckon, yeah, it's a good question, Mark. I I I think that Griffin has opened up a little bit and said, look. You know, this is my job. If I want to keep it, this is how we're going to have to change a few things. So 
there might be some tweaks there. And, and like I've said before, Griffin's not dumb enough to, to go into a new year and say we have to be exactly the same as we were last year. So good question. What's your honest thoughts on the new, shall we say, propaganda car set up by the club? Normally, I wouldn't worry as it seemed as though the club was taking initiative and moving into the 21st century. However, given it's run by I-98 and they threw not-so-subtle shade at Red V Podcast and perhaps the Mad Dragons Vodcast, I'm curious if its existence make you guys even more determined to talk about facts and not everything is awesome from Aaron Spear. Well, thanks for your question, Aaron. We kind of discussed this a little bit at the, the top of the podcast. I think their podcast will, will kind of... Uh, uh, attract a certain certain type of, of, of fan from, from the fan base, and that's not uh, a slight at anyone. That's not a, a negative shot at anyone. I think there's some fans that don't like to, um, don't want to be hearing negative things about the club, and that's that's fair enough. Every fan's entitled to their own opinions, and, and they can absorb any content that they want. I know they're going to have four players on, current players on, so I think it's a great chance for them to, uh, for fans to, yeah, I guess, engage with with the players and, and those kinds of things. Um, personally, I, I, I kind of didn't really care about the, the stuff that happened at the start of their podcast. I actually didn't even think it was directed at me at first, but maybe that's me just being uh, being a little bit slow. Uh, I think our podcast has always uh, caught it down the middle. Um, we, we like to be, um, yeah, a, a podcast and, and, and a team, whoever it has been, whether it was kind of Johnny at the start or kind of Luke Potter or, or Curtis now, that, that we, we, we like to, um, yeah, to, to be open and, and honest uh, about the club and about the way things are run, but also with you fans as well. You're, you're not stupid. You guys are, are smart footy fans and, and you know when, when something's broken or when something needs to be fixed. So yeah, I, I don't, it doesn't change anything that, that we want to do. Um, I guess I kind of echo the sentiments of Kurt at the top of the podcast where we, uh, he said that, yeah, I think that the more content for the dragons, uh, the better. Um, and, uh, yeah, if they, if they want to be, um, they want to, they want to come in and do a podcast at this time, that's, that's fine. We'll keep doing what we've been doing and we appreciate all of the, the support that you guys give us. Um, your fans, have, some fans have, have been with us since kind of January 12, 2020, when we started this thing up. So we, yeah, we do appreciate that, but it doesn't doesn't affect us and, and, and won't have any impact on us uh, moving forward. Apart, apart from maybe fact that we won't won't be uh, having interviews with uh, with players um, anymore. Um, uh, of course, the, the the contracted players to the NRL squad. Uh, we'll still be chatting to some of the younger younger guys, the younger kids uh, coming through. But but obviously with i ninety eight i ninety eight being a sponsor of the Dragons. Uh, that has uh, that has ended that, which is a little bit of a shame, but uh, that's uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles uh, sometimes. Jack, uh, I, I thought it was uh, Wave FM, but anyway, sorry. Oh, they're a rival, mate. Uh, Wave oh, FM and I-98. Oh, sorry, yeah. I should have said that. Oh, <laughs> um, the Sainer said, what did you think of the attendance for our season opener? I thought it was poor, Kurt. I, I, th- I thought it was I thought it was a poor showing, um, and I've said that before in the podcast. I think um, there's there's a lot of pro St George things that are said online by fans, and I don't necessarily think that's backed up by the 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 foot traffic or the attendances at the games. I get that it was the Gold Coast. I get that it was a crap time slot. I get that it was kind of cold and a little bit wet and, and those kinds of things. But the Dragons hadn't played a game for almost six months or, or more than six months. Um, we got a we had a buy in round one. Uh, I thought this year it would have been nice to even have nine or ten k there. I actually don't know what the what the official crowd number was. I don't know if you can kind of help with that, Kurt. But um, yeah, I, I thought there should have been more there. The, the fans that were there were passionate. They were vocal. Um, but yeah, I think over the the, the last several seasons, uh, the, the crowd numbers have uh, have been have been pretty bang average at at, at Cogra. So I, I thought it was I thought it was a disappointing crowd. Yeah, I think it kind of mirrors how some fans uh, were, or sorry, were feeling maybe about the club going into the new year. Some trepidation about, you know, forking out with, with inflation and, and the cost of living in Sydney. 
all that kind of stuff. That there is something to the fact that it was the Gold Coast Titans on a Sunday night at six pm. That they are all factors. I think the official crowd was a tick over eight thousand. Yeah, eight thousand people. Yeah, eight thousand five three eight. It's got yeah. Yeah. So and and you know maybe it might have been six or seven. No, Sydney clubs have been known to to tick up a little bit and round up. But um, look, if it was a Sydney club, that would have been ten or eleven. So. The Titans fans bring absolutely no fans uh, away to Sydney. So I don't think it was too bad. I, I think the next time you see the Dragons, if after what we've seen, if they back it up next week, the next time if the Dragons keep performing and if they get another Sunday night game, I think we'll see a bigger crowd. I think we'll see, you know, 12, 13 next time around. So, mm. um, and that's not a knock on Dragons fans. They deserve to, to, to be a little bit, cautious about the new year and I think we saw that on Sunday night but the, the fans that were there made a lot of noise I don't know how it sounded on the hill Jack but it certainly came through the, the telly so um, watch this space I think if the Dragons keep playing good football I, I think the crowds it doesn't matter what time they're on I think the crowds will get better yeah, let's hope so. Um, yeah, 8,538 was the official tenants there. Uh, hopefully, yeah, we can kind of crack the, the 10K mark because I've been at Cogger plenty of times before. I, I was there in the uh, the qualifying final back in 2010. I think there was 16 or 17,000 when the, the Dragons towed up Manly. I've been there for, for local derbies against Cronulla, of which there will be uh, in a couple of Sundays' time. But unfortunately, again, that that terrible 6.15 time slot. So, yeah, let's uh, hopefully have a sea of red and white uh, the next time the Dragons uh, run out there at uh, Cogger. Of course, only the five games at Cogger. Uh, because of the Women's World Cup and, and Cogra Oval being used as a base. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, the fans uh, can get out uh, and uh, support the Red V. Mattias Janis, and I'll, I will preface it by saying, Mattis has said, uh, he's always sending me questions. They're always highly inappropriate. They're often about... Uh, is this old mate on Twitter? It is, it is, and, and, and I'm sure there's some fans that kind of know what I'm I'm talking about, but he's he's often talking about uh, coups and overthrowing the board and that kind of stuff, but he has come up with a bit of a zinger uh, here tonight on the podcast to finish our Fans Corner segment. He says, does it concern you boys that the teams that teams coached by Hook, Siebes, and Walters are on the same amount of points as Wayne Bennett? Is this an NRL world we want to live in? <laughs> is this a knock on Bennett or is this a knock on Hook, Siebes, and Walters? I think the latter. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know how to answer that. I, Why not? I, I don't know what to say to that. It's an, it's, a, it's an alternate rugby league universe. Dolphins are coming first. Dragons are in the top four. Anthony Seabold's got Manly undefeated through two games, even though they've only had to play one of them. Yeah, no, no. Okay, I get I get the question now. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, look, it's, um, I, I think it's good. I think it's good. I, I think for so long, we're, look, since the salary cap era per se, when the NRL first started, we were so used to teams fluctuating up and down the ladder. And I think for too long, we've kind of been trained now that, that the Roosters need to be at the top and the Storm need to be up the top and South need to be up the top. It's good to see some change in the game. This is what rugby league's all about. We, we, we somehow find a way to replenish ourselves while we also shoot ourselves in the foot mm. as well. So I, I think it's great. I, I don't know how long the Manly thing lasts for. I don't know. I don't trust Kevin Walters and the Broncos yet. And I don't trust that Wayne Bennett and the Dolphins can keep going the way they're going with their the age of their roster and the 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 uh the next couple of months they've got. So out of all those blokes, if I was out of those guys, I would much rather be Anthony Griffin right now, which is crazy to think. Yeah, it is. Well, we really are living in an alternate alternate universe here at the Red oh, I mean, Podcast. Seriously though, like if, if I had that Broncos team, like I, I would I would jump over 
jump over family members to to coach that Broncos team. But uh, it's whether Kevin Walters can get the best out of them. Where I think the the team with the most upside and the most confidence I have is is if the Dragons keep playing, then Griffin's going to keep letting them play the the way they want to play. Mm. And I, when's the next Broncos Dragons game later in the year? I, I I can't wait to see where those two teams are at then. That'll be great. Yeah, I think that's probably gonna yeah be telling to to see how the season has gone so far for those for those two sides, but both full of of some young energetic players. But yeah, should be uh, should be interesting um, when they do lock horns on Saturday night. That uh, rounds up or wraps up all of our uh, fans corner segment questions here on episode one sixty five of the Red V podcast. Before myself and Kurt uh, finish off the podcast episode, we need to reveal the who am I uh, for this week. We spoke about this player. I said that I picked them because they'd played. 165 games for the club, but I didn't uh, say which club that was. They were born in October, a height of 183 centimetres and a playing weight of 108 kilos. 14 games for New South Wales, 14 tests for Australia. But he also, as I just wanted to throw a little spanner in the works to try and confuse people, was selected as a centre for the Australian Rugby Union Schoolboys Tour of the UK and Ireland. He's a current player um, and his position is second row lock or prop. Uh, do you know who it is this week, Kurt? Yeah, I think the rugby union thing gave it away, and I'm not sure if he's a current All Black, but um, it's Tyson Frizzell, and I know his brother has played for the All Blacks uh, at some point too. So there you go. Tyson Frizzell, am I correct? You are, and that's a little bit of nice information for us to find out about his family. But yeah, 165 games for St. George Illawarra for Tyson from 2013 until the end of 2020. Also played 12 games for the Sharks at the beginning of his career and has currently played 42 for the Knights. 219 first grade games, but six games for Wales, uh, two uh, country origin appearances, 14 uh, games for New South Wales, 14 for Australia, a Prime Minister's 13 berth, and also played for the Australian Nines in two. 2019 on on four occasions. Uh, I know there's some fans that uh, yeah kind of had a few parting shots at, at Tyson, but uh, yeah one of the nicest guys in rugby league and uh, yeah is a, was a wonderful performer for many years for the Dragons and yeah, one of those edge back roles that certainly dominated in that in that, that period and uh, that's evident by the fact he uh, got representative honours with both uh, New South Wales uh, and Australia. But uh, he was uh, the 166th player of the Dragons and played 165 games. So I thought that tied in nicely uh, with episode 165 of of the Red V podcast. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. Kurt, as always, uh, great to chat some footy with you, mate. And hopefully this time next week, we're talking about another Dragons victory. And uh, yeah, they, we, we can hopefully see some really uh, honest and keen performances in these first uh, six to eight weeks of the season. Thanks so much for your hard work again tonight, mate. Thanks, buddy. Uh, always great to have Curtis Woodward uh, on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed uh, his analysis over the last hour and a half. I've been Jack Clifton. Uh, thanks to all your fans. Really appreciate the outpouring of love and support you guys have given us over the last week or so and hope that you'll continue to support the Red V podcast as we continue to delve in uh, to what is no doubt going to be an entertaining season for the Dragons in season 2023. We'll catch you next week. Next Tuesday night, we'll have episode 166 coming at you where we'll be dissecting everything about the mighty St. George Illawarra Dragons and uh, also hopefully talking about a, a magnificent win against the Brisbane Broncos. On behalf of Curtis Woodward, I've been Jack Clifton. Until next week, let's go those mighty dragons. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch -ch -ch
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.